0: Hello, welcome to the Friday 15. I am Stephanie Lee. It is Friday at 12 PM central time. And that means that we are doing the Friday 15 where we answer your industry questions. Um, So let's get the party started. While you are waiting for me to pull up the questions for this week, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're listening or watching on YouTube. That way you'll never miss another Friday 15. Um, If you're listening to this in the audio version, same thing. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so that you can never miss another Friday 15 or Travel Agent Chatter episode. All right, first question today is a great one. Um, so Zubila, thank you for the question. So they say, hello, would you be able to explain the difference between an independent agent that is signed with a host agency and a subagent, and what exactly that means? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> So I would say this phenomenon of kind of, I call them mini hosts or a host within a host. I know host agencies have different terms for them like associate agencies, Um, but essentially I started seeing this phenomenon kind of growing, I would say maybe five years ago, it started getting quite a bit bigger and more common. So as travel advisors with large followings started bringing, more advisors under their umbrella and they were hosted, they didn't want to leave their host agency. They kind of started these mini host agencies. So the difference between being an independent, we'll call them mini hosts just to clarify. So the difference between being a independent agent with a mini host versus the overall host is going to be that you're going to be getting your 1099 from the mini host so think of it this way the the host agency just like how a supplier sees a host agency as technically one agency because they're using one accreditation number so the main host agency is going to see the mini host agency technically as like one agency and so they'll send all the commissions to that one agency and whoever's the head of your mini host is going to break apart those commissions for you based on whatever your commission split is. Um, You'll get your 1099 from that mini host agency. The perks of kind of why someone would go with a host within a host instead of just signing on with the main host is a good question and probably something you're wondering. So I'll go ahead and say that one of the perks of being involved with a being a sub-agent for a mini host is that they may provide more hands-on support like mentoring. They may have sales support and calls. They may have something that does vacation backup for everybody within their network. They may just be a really inspiring individual that has weekly calls that you can tune into as part of their network and you want to be a part of that. Uh, The commission splits may or may not be reflective of they may be signed on with a 100% plan with whoever the main host is so that they get all of the commissions and then they pay it out to you and you could be paying less for your 80 percent plan with this mini host than you possibly could for your main host it all depends so there's a lot of different reasons why someone would belong to a mini host Um, but the thing to keep in mind is that if you do decide to go that route and become an independent with them is that you're still gonna have access to all of the main hosts programs. So their high commission levels are still accessible to you. Their um, events that they hold for their agent network, their technology, uh, that's all going to be available to you. And and if you want to know if a host agency that you're considering joining um, allows sub agents, let me, I'm going to share my screen. And for those of you that are tuning in, Uh, Essentially what I'm doing is I'm going to hostagencyreviews.com. I'm going to select a host agency um, and on their profiles, if you scroll down under program details, you'll be able to see there's an allow subagent section. And if that's checked, they do allow subagents. So if that's something you want to consider doing, check it out um, and see if your host agency offers it. So thank you again, Zubila, for that wonderful question. Uh, let's move on to the next one. There's, there's a lot of great ones this week. Um, let's see. All right. So we will, uh, link to as well for those of you, um, that are listening in, in the description of the podcast, we'll go ahead and link to the host agency profiles section and you can select whichever host agency you're looking for and find that information. So our next question is from Anonymous, and they are asking if they need a travel agency business plan. So the quick answer is no, you do not need a travel agency business plan. It's not required by any host agencies or to join the travel industry or to open your travel agency just in general. The The big caveat behind that is if you need some financing for your company, for whatever reason, as you're starting, your bank may require a travel agency business plan. But that's the only place that is really going to require a travel agency business plan. Does that mean that you shouldn't do one? Definitely not. You should definitely do a travel agency business plan if you're getting started, because it helps kind of lay out and really get you thinking about all the specifics. Now, the, the one thing I want to say, the likelihood that you're going to need financing is pretty low, depending on, on what you're doing. But when we did um, one of our surveys, we asked people their startup costs and the average startup cost is around thirty two hundred dollars, which is quite a bit of money. But the, the thing to keep in mind with that is that thirty two hundred includes franchises. And travel agency franchises are a lot more expensive to start than someone that's just going with a host agency and coming up with their own brand. If you're not familiar with travel agency franchises, we'll link to our article on travel agency franchises for you, as well as put a link to all the travel agency franchises that are out there. And you'll be able to see the costs at a minimum are usually $10,000 to start if you have no sales. And it can go upwards to $30,000. So that's why it's usually the average startup cost is $3,200. It's really skewed by that ten dollars to $30,000 that comes from the travel agency franchises. So we also broke down the numbers for those of you that are not with franchises, and the cost is about half. It's $1,600 on average to start up a travel agency if you're not with a franchises. That includes your host fees, getting registered with the state, You know, setting up your website, getting your business cards printed, paying for your logo, all of that stuff. Uh, But but even better news is sixteen hundred dollars is without franchises. But again, we still have the same thing where host agencies have higher end costs and then there's the lower end costs. So the most common answer for people on how much they spent when starting up their travel agency was five hundred dollars. So likely you're probably not going to need financing. Um, if and you can bootstrap your travel agency startup, but I do want to, if you are, um, starting up, like I said, it's a great idea to have a travel agency business plan for you. Um, uh, and we have actually created, uh, Mary wrote up the article that kind of walks you through it. And I wrote up the business plan. It's a 16 page business plan that actually is filled out. It's not one of those that has just the headers and tells you like, oh, put what technology you're going to use underneath here. So let me pull that up. And if you are listening to this, you can go, uh, well, in the description, we'll put a link to the article, but if you're wanting to find it easily, you can just go to hostagencyreviews.com and up in the site search in the upper right-hand corner, I'm just typing in travel agency business plan. Um, This is free for everyone and I'm going to inside there you can actually see what the business plan looks like before you download it and you can customize it to to your own liking. But I will say that when I started Host Agency Reviews, I didn't do a business plan, a formal business plan, I should say. But I had notes, everything jotted down. I'd also been in the industry. I grew up in the industry. So i knew it really well and knew exactly what i wanted to do and had to do if you're a new business owner i also grew up in a family of entrepreneurs so was very familiar with what was involved with starting a business if you're new to starting up um, and becoming an entrepreneur this really helps so let me go over some of the sections so we kind of talk in the business plan about the travel agency overview. So what is your niche going to be? And within this business plan, we also link to all the resources we have to help you with each of these sections. So for instance, when you're talking about your travel agency niche, um, we link to our article that helps walk you through brainstorming on finding a niche that is something you're passionate about and that you have connections within. Uh, We also kind of talk about the legal structures of the business. Are you going to be a sole prop? Or you're going to be an LLC? Or do you need to be an S Corps? All of that is stuff you want to consider and think about ahead of time. You're going to want to talk about where you're going to be, what kind of budget you want for your first year. We talk about what kind of income you can expect because one of the things with travel is your income isn't like depressingly low. I'll be completely honest depressingly low your first year. And that is because number one, it takes a little bit to get your agency set up. Number two is when you're booking travel, people usually book in advance. They're not booking two weeks out or a month out. Sometimes they're, you know, booking nine months, or if you're doing groups, it's usually maybe a year or more in advance. So those people that you book that first year, technically aren't going to get paid until they actually travel. So if you started in January, you booked someone, you booked a bunch of clients in June, but they're not traveling until spring break of next year, you're not gonna see that money until the following year. So those are things to be aware of kind of when it comes to cash flow. We talk about um, what kind of technology you're gonna use, who are your target clients and how are you going to reach them? So take a look, um, again, we'll put the link in the description for the podcast and also in the YouTube description Um, But it's a great resource for new advisors and something I would highly, highly recommend. And I just realized I wasn't sharing my screen for those of you watching on YouTube. So I apologize. This is kind of, I'll scroll through it really quickly for you. But um, yes, so travel agency business plan, bottom line is no, you technically don't need it. But yes, you definitely should start it up. All right, so let's move into our final question. And again, if you have questions, we love to answer them. I don't know the answer to everything, but I know the people usually that can help me out and give an answer. So drop them in the comments if you have them, or go to hostagencyreviews.com slash Friday 1-5. All right, Mark has submitted this next question, our last question. He says, hi, Steph. I always want to know when you fully organize and book a client's vacation. Oh, that's awkward. It's time to feed the dog. Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, When you fully organize and book a client's vacation that you put together yourself from beginning to end, meaning not using a supplier's tour package, do you still have to go through your host agency? And also, should I have payment capabilities installed on my website? This is another fabulous question, Mark. Let's start with the first one uh, if you need to do these. So essentially what you're asking is these FITs um, or flexible independent travel um, or foreign independent travel. there's a lot of there's a lot of things people think the FIT stands for. I don't know exactly which one is right. Um, but essentially the custom tours that you're putting together for your clients, do you have to run those through your host agency? There's going to be three issues you should be aware of, Mark, when thinking about running things outside of your host agency. So the first is going to be the seller of travel laws. And I will link to our seller of travel law article or seller of travel registration article. There are four states. We have California, Florida, Hawaii, and Washington. and. Each of those states um, will also link to our one on Canadian provinces. Uh, They're they're not called seller of travel uh, laws there, but we'll link to that if you're located in Canada. But essentially, with the seller of travel laws, essentially, what they're saying is, whoever is registered as the seller of travel, which means their accreditation number is usually going to be your host agency, whoever that company is, the money needs to flow through that company. So the problem with what you're asking is you're trying to put that money outside the host agency, and that is against seller of travel laws. So you need to run them through, um, your host agency. If you are located in California, Florida, Hawaii, or Washington, or any of your travelers are located or residents of California, Florida, Hawaii, or Washington. So check out that article, read more up on those seller of travel laws. There are some exceptions. It can get pretty complicated for our Friday 15. So I'll have you dive into that a little bit more on your own. The other thing, the second thing to be aware of is E&O Insurance or Errors and Admissions Insurance. And we'll link to our article on Errors and Admissions Insurance. It'll be in the description on YouTube or the description of the podcast episode. So with errors and admissions insurance, a lot of agents get their E&O insurance through their host agency. If you're booking outside the host agency's number, those bookings are not covered under E&O insurance. Now, if you're not familiar with E&O insurance, even though it's called errors and admissions insurance, it's very confusing because it doesn't actually cover errors. And if you forget to tell a client that they need a visa for a certain country and end up not being able to get in, I would think of E&O insurance more along the lines of catastrophic, a client sues you and it will pay for your legal defense. It's a kind of a legal defense insurance. So if you're booking outside of it, know that legally that makes you Um, it opens up your liability on the legal sense. And the third thing when booking outside your host agency or thinking about it is you typically need an accreditation number in order to book with suppliers and get commissions, or even to be recognized as a travel advisor. So if you're wanting to get commissions on those bookings, or if you just want to be recognized as a travel advisor that can help with the reservation on behalf of their client, you do need an accreditation number. Um, if you're not using your host agencies, you'll have to have your own. And I will link to the travel agent's accreditation options. We'll put it in the comments and in the descriptions. Um, and the, so that's something to consider too, um, is you'll have to get your own uh, accreditation number. Now, if all of this is like, okay, yeah, I'm aware of these three things and I still want to do it, there are some things to be aware of when you're booking it. So. everything works out and you decide you want to book this outside your host agency there's kind of two approaches to it so the first is that you can go ahead and use your client's credit card and have them pay for everything so they're going to get whatever 15 separate charges from these different vendors and then maybe your separate consultation fee charge that's one way to do it and the second way is you put everything on your credit card and then just charge your client one huge lump sum of everything, including your fees um, and the, the charges for the different hotels and transportation, etc. So if you are going ahead and doing it, the individual charges with your client's credit cards, so they're getting 15 different charges. Agents sometimes don't like that because it's It's not super user friendly uh, for either the agent or for the client when they see that many charges on their credit card. So if you do it where it's all a lump sum, the problem you might run into is travel is considered a very high risk industry when it comes to credit card processing. And so you will get flagged, most likely, if you're running 6,000, repeatedly running $6,000 charges or $20,000 charges for these vacations. And I can personally attest to this as a someone in the travel industry that doesn't even book travel, I was kicked off a uh, QuickBooks. I can't do any of my advertisers can't pay me through QuickBooks anymore because they said I was in too high risk of an industry, even though I have excellent credit. I'd been with QuickBooks for a long time. I'd never had a charge back, but they would not let me on there because I was in travel. So in our, this goes back to our last question with our travel agency business plan. There is a section in there, the tech section that has credit card processing options. Um, There are some travel specific ones in there and you probably won't run into those problems using those processors versus if you use quickbooks or square um, or something along those lines so that is it we have gone a little bit over so thanks for sticking with me everyone again go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or to our youtube channel to make sure you miss never miss another friday 15. we will see you next friday at 12 p.m central time ask your questions in the comments below or go to hostagencyreviews.com slash friday15. Thank you for joining me. Have a wonderful weekend. And um, the puppies have not interrupted at all this week, which is new. They're both sleeping at my feet. So it's going to be a great weekend. Ciao.